Hi, welcome back to the Canucks and Pucks podcast. Uh, it's another week in Canuckland. We're uh, and still in the offseason. Nothing really much has changed for re-signings at all. And I'm very happy to uh, welcome in Sam from the broadcast from Area 51 Hockey and Rob Fame Nation Radio. Uh, thanks, Sam, for coming on the show. It's very I'm very happy to have you on the show. And uh, also welcome back my uh, co-host, Dan, as well. Uh, thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. If, if I'm not mistaken, Sam, you're also a lawyer. Is that correct? I am. So you've got like a couple oh things God. going on. You got like a couple things going on. Just a couple. Just a few. Just a few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on for sure. Um, yeah. So I mean, Canucks haven't uh, gotten any movement on any of their re-signings yet. Uh, free agency hasn't begun yet. That's next uh, week or a little over a week, and the draft is coming up as well. So lots of talk, lots of rumors, lots of discussion that's going on. Uh, so I want to get your uh, thoughts on what, you know, the movement that's kind of going on with, first we'll talk Tyler Toffoli. Uh, do you think that the Canucks will be able to re-sign him and if they should re-sign him? Um, so I think they will re-sign him. I think based on all the reports we're seeing coming out right now, it sounds like they're they're making good progress. Sounds like he wants to stay. I, I don't know if you guys saw it, but I, loved that tweet that came out about how Pedersen was advocating for him. Um, So, you know, you kind of love seeing that. Um, And certainly for me, that's re-signing him makes that a good trade. Whereas I think if he walks, that's a pretty high price to pay for basically a rental. So in my books, I think they do have to sign him um, provided that the number isn't outrageous. I think that's a really good point. And the other side of it that makes sense on that, Sam, is that, um, he's got chemistry with the team. The team likes him. They like who, who you know, he can play with Pedersen. He can play with uh, Pearson. And, and as we saw finally when Travis Green decided, hey, I'll just let things happen, he can play with Horvat as well. So I think it's a, a really good um, fit that way as well. And it would be really hard to go out and find someone who could, quote unquote, potentially fit into the lineup the way that you're suggesting. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to fully because, yeah, the way, like you said, he fits really well with the team, especially on that top line and also on the second line with Horvat. And the one thing, he can he can move around the lineup as well. So, I, I mean, and the number doesn't seem like it's going to be too bad. I mean, there's floating around that 4.5 million AAV. So, I mean, it, it's not like it's going to be a crazy amount and Pedersen's advocating him for coming to the room as well. So, it, it's great to have a guy like that in the locker room so i think he ultimately he will be re-signed um next guy that really hasn't i mean there's been talk about uh, tanev and a big rumor about him signing in pittsburgh or pittsburgh putting at least putting an offer for him uh what do you think about that listen if jim rutherford wants to pay tanev for five <laughs> years he should absolutely do it like i have no problem with any players taking the best contract they can get but that's not a contract that the Canucks can or should be giving out. Preach, sister. Preach to the choir. <laughs> <Yeah>. Hallelujah. <laughs> I agree. I mean, the thing is, it's $5 million for a guy that, I mean, we love Tanev here, and he's he's been a warrior for this team for so long. And But for $5 million for a guy that usually doesn't play 82 games a season as well. So, you know, that's a lot of money to put forward. And it doesn't seem like it's going to be like he's putting – a short-term deal either like it seems like it's a long-term deal so i mean if he wants to pay pan of that much and <laughs> yeah that's all the power to him so um, well, i don't know what he's doing this week like what is jim rutherford on he's yeah. doing jim rutherford he's being jim rutherford yeah. that's he's he's an old school gm and he's he's gming the, the old school way right i mean you know if anybody hasn't go on twitter and take a look at patrick hornquist uh front uh on his driveway right now i mean is you know the entire uh, penguins equipment's on the on the driveway it's crazy um no rutherford's doing rutherford and and you know to go to your point uh sam and 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 matt about the five times five i mean imagine if they did if the canucks matched that and then they got markstrom at six which is what kind of detroit in fact i you know some of the rumors that we've seen is detroit coming in as high as six and a half to six and three 
three quarters. Like this is exactly what we talked about a few weeks ago, Matt, where the Canucks yeah. could take that 11 to $12 million and spend it way better, more efficiently throughout their lineup. Yeah. That, that's, that's something that's, you know, you pay those two that much money and you're not, you know, we have, down the road, you haven't just re-signed Pedersen and Hughes, and you don't want guys on long-term deals with that much money tied up. So, yeah, and you know the thing is, like, there's been talk about Markstrom being a second-best uh, free agent out there. That past Petrangelo, that's what a lot of teams are going to be looking at. And you know, for a starting goaltender, there's going to be a lot of teams looking at him, and we'll see what happens ultimately. But I don't think the Canucks should be going over six. 7 million for Markstrom at all, especially when they have Demko coming up. There's no way. I think <laughs> anything over six would be, I just, I, I don't have a word for it. I would be so pissed off. <laughs> so what do you guys think the rumors, because I've read this on a few boards, there are rumors that, and they're legitimized rumors that Braden Holby is interested in Vancouver and having mm-hmm. him as your one B to Demko as your one A, or if, you know, Demko still needs some seasoning. Now you have a guy like Holtby and you can get him for around that $4 million mark. Oh, that's such a hard <laughs> question. Cause he had such a bad season. Like the decline in his game last season was just mind blowing. Like he, mm. he, he just lost his game in a season. It's kind of the way Pekka Rene just fell off a cliff um, a couple yeah. of years ago um, to be a one B and, you know, I, I hate the like good in the room reason but by all accounts i think jay beagle is sorry not wow see i associate jay beagle <laughs> with good in the room um <laughs> Holt, holtby is one of those guys who is by all accounts from former teammates really good in the room and frankly i think one of the better players off the ice in terms of community impact um and bringing bringing attention to communities that need it um for $4 million, I think I would take that. I would take a chance on Holtby for a short-term contract. I don't know if that's what he's going to be looking for because it's going to be basically his last big contract as well. Um, I think there are probably other solid 1B candidates out there you could get for around the same price um, and maybe a bit of a longer term who aren't big name marquee free agents, which regardless of his last season, he's still going to be just by virtue of being Braden Holtby. Yeah, no, that's really good. And the reason I'm asking is the fact that, you know, exactly what you just talked about, but more so because let, let's face it as, and I don't mean this to be rude to any of the goalies the Canucks have, and they're awesome, but let's be honest, the real star the Canucks have, and they should give him a lifetime contract and pay him whatever he wants is Ian Clark. And if Ian Clark can work with Braden Holtby and help him get his game back or get back to that level, I mean, you're going to need two starting goaltenders next season. Every team's going to need that. It's just, it's a reality because they're going to have such a condensed schedule back to backs. You're going to need to have a goalie goalies who can steal you games in those back to back settings. And that's why I was curious about your opinion on Holtby there. Yeah. I, I'm not convinced that he's the right guy for it. I mean, if you're going the only attractive part of it is $4 million. And I think you could just get a better, a better fit for the overall plan. Yeah. The thing is, yeah, I haven't talked to anyone. that rumor came out too. It's like he has had, he did have like a horrible season and stats wise, it was, you know, you're looking at a guy that's won a Stanley cup. He's been probably their best goaltender for the last few seasons and probably one of the better goaltenders in the league as well. So it was kind of surprising to see that type of a season coming, especially in a contract year when usually a lot of guys have career years, right, to get the money. But there's going to be a team that will potentially overpay for him as well. I mean, I don't know about the $4 million, if that's going to actually happen. I mean, there's a lot of – there are a lot of teams that will pay a premium even for his – like you said, his name, right? Well, I, you, you look at Montreal, right? How much money do they have tied up in their goalies right now? I think it's like, yeah. what, 12, 15? 13 million in their goalies? Yeah. 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 So, (laughs) so that's, that's why I'm, I'm looking at it. So Sam, if you had to, if you had to instead, let's say Markstrom walks then, and I know this is all hypothetical, it's all speculation. So if anybody listens to this and then says, Oh, there's a rumor out of Vancouver, it's not a rumor. It's all speculation. Uh, Who would you think the Canucks should target then in that, you know, three and a half to $4 million or four and a half million dollar range for a goaltender? 
Well, so I said all season that I thought the person they should go after was Kadobin, except now he's in the Stanley Cup Finals. So I don't know if that I don't know if that amount is going to cut it anymore. But you know, the Stars have. I actually, you know, I, I don't even know if Bishop is up this year as well. Um, probably should have looked at that, but. There are a couple of rumors around that the Islanders are going to walk away from Thomas Grice. That's a decent person to look at. Um, in terms of who else is out there, I don't see, I don't see Leonard walking from Vegas. I think that he's probably going to get tied up. But to be honest with you, I think people are going to wait to see what that Leonard Vegas deal is going to be as kind of a benchmark for the market before they start looking at the rest of the goaltenders that are available. And where does Marc-Andre Fleury go after that too, right? I mean, someone's going to pick him up. So yeah, no, I that's mean, really He said true. yesterday he doesn't want to leave. So he's just going to make this as dramatic and difficult as possible. I don't know how he can play goal with a sword in his back though. I, know. I mean, you know, we've all seen the image. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Fleury is a guy that's their drama started right at the beginning of the playoffs there with the, you know, his agent. And it's, it's going to be an interesting off season for those two goaltenders as well. And I think, I think they will re-sign Leonard and I think Flurry will be a guy that will be ultimately moved. But I mean, as, as for Canucks being like, you mentioned Thomas Grice, I actually like that fit um, for the Canucks because he has played that one B role uh, in New York there. So, I think he can be a good guy that can team up with Dempo. Uh, Hudobin was another guy I was thinking of as well, but now, yeah, like I said, he's in the Stanley Cup final, and I don't know how Dallas is going to uh, you know, move on from him or not, but uh, like Bishop has actually a few more seasons left on his contract, so uh, I don't know, and I don't think they're going to be able to move that guy. He's, he's a high-priced goaltender as well, and we'll see how that <laughs> plays out, but Hudobin will, have, will be re- – Required to, you know, you look at the money he's going to be demanding too after performance in the Stanley Cup final, especially if they are able to come back and win as well. So we'll see. But uh, those two guys, great names to, to throw. Would you would you take a run at Craig Anderson? Um, I don't. I mean, he <laughs> he can be still a good goaltender as well. I mean, he's stuck in you know in Ottawa with uh, some you know a bad defense in front of him. And uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting name as well. I saw I saw somebody say that the other day, and to be totally honest with you, I sometimes forget he's playing because he's been in the league so long. And I yeah. I just looked at he's thirty nine. I don't whoever was saying that. I don't know that that's yeah no no like, I would no like yeah, if no, I'm going I, for I'd a guy yeah if I'm no, going he's... for a guy who's declining. I think maybe Corey Crawford if he's willing to take a really cheap deal. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Actually, that's a really good – that's really good. So, first with Craig Anderson, you're 100% right. He's 39. His play has declined because of the undefeated champion in the world, of Father Time. And really what it boils down to is a guy like Corey Crawford, again, with someone like Ian Clark, um, two-time Stanley Cup champion. Um, he's not a bad goalie. He isn't. It's just the Chicago Blackhawks have to move on. And again, if you can get him in that price range, he would actually be a ri- I mean, again, in 2011, Vancouver should have swept the Chicago Blackhawks and they should have destroyed them in game seven if it wasn't for Corey Crawford, who played otherworldly. And I know that's, you know, nine years ago, but he was also really young then. So, yeah, I think that's a really good option, actually. Yeah. Uh, Crawford, I don't know how Chicago, what Chicago's going to do there, too, because they traded Robin Leonard away and <laughs> and uh, now Crawford yeah and then their backup is Malcolm Subban so that uh, that's an interesting story to follow as well and I mentioned uh, Ryan Miller last episode about <laughs> and I've seen that name floated around too and but again he's 40 I think now so I have a guy like that I don't know he's he's been a good backup in Anaheim for a, a couple seasons that what do you think about that one? I have a total soft spot for Ryan Miller. I think he's super underrated. Um, I, the age is obviously a concern. And I think it would, my issue with him would be more that I would expect Demko, Demko played what, 20, under 30. I think he played mm-hmm. 25 regular season games. Correct. Somewhere around there. And 
for him to jump up to a 1A where he's going to have to play 40 to 50 games, I don't know that Ryan Miller is going to be the guy I want playing the other 40 games at his age. Yeah, and that's that's what kind of Dan mentioned that to me when I was saying that too. And it's true. like he's He hasn't really played a lot in the last few seasons uh, behind Gibson. So uh, I don't know about uh, having him over 40 games and how well he'll perform, especially with uh, the miles on his body as well. So, uh, but it would be a cool, it would be a, a cool story to have him retire as a as a Canuck though. With um, he did play a few really good seasons behind a, you know, not a very good team too. So, and I I think there's also options, and I'm I'm really looking forward to your team now, Sam, because I do think there's trade options too available to Vancouver. I think they have a few pieces that teams are going to want, and I think Vancouver is going to look at a capable I don't even want to call it a backup but a capable 1B who could potentially turn into a starter or can take that load off and you know they have some pieces that they can move uh to get that as well you know we're looking at free agency so it's 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 a lot of fun it's a lot of pressure yeah that's right so yeah that's well that's a good segue though um let's let's put you in the GM's chair and uh have it what would you do to create the team of uh, next season what would that look like I'm gonna start with a caveat that I actually don't think I don't think it's possible for them to put together the team that I want them to ice next year um I've said I've said over and over again I think Dan Dan's on the same page we've had this conversation um what what I think they really need is a an actual NHL blue line which they don't have um and you know, there's pieces there, but if they're going to let Tanev walk, if they're going to let Troy Stetcher walk, as much as we say that, you know, they're no longer, Stetcher is below average or average, and you say Tanev's aging, um, the reality is the minutes that they play are still NHL minutes. And if you want someone to come in and take those positions as a rookie, Chris Tanev as a declining veteran defenseman is still going to be probably a better player than say Brogan Rafferty or Ollie Uolevi walking in and playing 17 to 20 minutes a night. Like I don't see that happening. Travis Green isn't the type of coach that would just do that short of having Quinn Hughes, which neither of those guys are. Um, so I think a bit of a bit of the caveat around these conversations when people say, oh, just let them walk and let the young guys play is that, yeah, you should do that but you're also going to have to be prepared that they're simply not going to be as good. And frankly, they weren't very good to begin with as a defensive unit. Um, So that's kind of my soapbox issue is I don't see how people think you're going to let these guys walk. You don't have the ability to bring in really any improvements in the defense and think that they're going to do better on that end. Um, And that leads me to kind of the dilemma in net, which is, I've been a very big advocate of Demko taking over or at least playing more um, and letting Markstrom walk. And kind of in the last little bit, I think just listening to Thomas Drantz and Harmon Dale and a couple of the other analysts in the market, I'm kind of coming around on the idea that to maximize, maximize the entry-level contracts for Pedersen and Hughes, you kind of maybe need to have an elite goaltender in net because you're not going to be able to upgrade that defense in the next few years. So my problem is that what I want is them to have continued sustained long-term success, but I don't see how they manage to do that without also blowing Hughes and Pedersen's next two years of being cheap. Um, What do you think? Well, I think it's only this year. Like this is their last year on the ALC. Next year is when they're con- like at the end of this yeah. season coming up, they're they're out of that. So, I think that's, you know, kind of forcing their hand. But I will say this. I agree with you in terms of I and I never thought of this, so I'm uh, this is why we have the best guests on here. Um, the NHL minutes. You're 100% right. And I think that's why, you know, when we when we put our teams together, we thought or we kind of had an idea of bringing in a veteran NHL guy who could pick up some of those minutes. But at the end of the day, when you look at the teams that have won Stanley cups that have built up and, and we talk about through the draft, 
at what point do you get there where you say you'll levy and them can take those minutes? Do you continue to just say, well, you know, they're still inexperienced, so we can't trust them. Or do you say, you know what, we have to give these guys that opportunity. We actually have to uh, let them play and grow into that role. And with only one year left on an ELC, does that mean Vancouver is going to win a Stanley cup next year because these guys are on the ELC? Like, I think you have to manage it thinking that they're not on the ELC, that those contracts are going to be in that eight to $10 million, maybe even 12 for Patterson, but I don't think so. I think it'll be eight to 10 and you have to manage around um, allowing guys like Rathbone and Yolevi, maybe not Rafferty to be perfectly honest, but, but cause he's already 25, but definitely Yolevi and, and Rathbone and have them come in and be the dynamic players and, and be the, the top, you know, kind of top four defensemen that you projected and, and want them to be for your lineup, especially considering how we've seen Quinn Hughes, you know, all these other defensemen just come in and, you know, make, make the, make the NHL and make their team so much better. And I do believe that you'll levy and um, that's my wife's news in there. Um, <laughs> I do believe that you'll levy and, and Rathbone make the Canucks a better team. I agree with that. I think they make them a better team in the long run. Um, I think the, I think what I was trying to say is that the missing, the missing part of the conversation that we see a lot of fans having when they're, when they're talking about what the team is going to look like in the next few years is that I think we have to either acknowledge they're going to, they're going to sacrifice the ELC, which I think you and I are on the same page. That's, that is what they should do at this point, because like you said, there's not a ton of time left on it um, versus building a longer term contender. And, you know, I think that's, I think that's the right approach is that you basically have to acknowledge that some of the poor decisions of the last three years of free agency um, have handcuffed them in the three years of ELCs that they have. Um, but it's, it's too late for that. So let's move on from it. That That's a good point. I mean, as you know, that is a missing part of the discussion too, is like they're, they're not going to be a contending team in their ELC. I mean, if they had still three seasons or just starting the ELC, then maybe, but uh, yeah, just got to look at long-term and you look at the the guys that are coming up and, and that's, as you said, with the free agency and the bad decisions there, and that's what's created all these problems. Right. And, you know, the young guys like Dan was saying earlier in an earlier episode about uh, Benning going after glue guys first and he went, and create, got the glue first and now he's he's trying to build the house around it so it's like it, it's, yeah, that was it's that was satyar shah who said that no i just want to say that that was sat shah who said that not me i gotta give oh, props yeah. to, to the right person <laughs> who said it yeah no it's true and, and now and now benny's trying to maneuver his way out of it and and i mean admittedly the canucks do have a really bright future but like you said the, the blue line there's not much you can really do right now to improve it and the rookies are going to have, I mean, not everyone is Quinn Hughes, right? So <laughs> expecting Yulevi and even Rathbone to come in and play that type of a game is, is unrealistic. Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I disagree with that, Matt. I think Rathbone has proven in the, in the NCAA that he can play that game. And I think, you know, as we've seen with Quinn Hughes, that's the style that Vancouver plays. My, my bigger question actually to you guys, and, and maybe this, this is, you know, Sam, I really want your opinion on this, is I think where the Canucks have to take advantage of ELCs is during Pod Colson's, during Hoglander, during Yolevi's, during Rathbone's ELCs, and getting the most out of those players in your lineup um, versus versus having to make roster decisions four or five years down the road where you're like the Chicago Blackhawks in 2011 where you had to come to that season and you had to let go, you know, uh, uh, almost half of your team because you had to, you know, you basically had to sign Kane, Keith, Taves, and Seabrook and pretty much you had to let go most of, you know, the rest of your team. I agree with that. I think the NHL overall has started trending towards younger and younger players and just throwing them in and seeing how they do. Um, the risk of that is obviously it's a little hit or miss. Not every player is going to adjust right away the way that Hughes, McCarr, and Pedersen have done. Um, like you look at Capo Caco and Jack Hughes, it's it can be hit or hit or miss um, depending on the player. And so a little bit of it is going to be high risk, but I agree with you that that's something they're going to have to at least consider because I know we talk about 
oh, all the big contracts are going to come off the books in two years and it'll be fine. But like you already said, um, PD and Hughes are going to command a significant chunk of that money that's coming off the book. So it's not really, you're not really making a ton of gains there. Um, so I'm with you. I think it's good that they have those prospects coming up. I think a couple of them are going to have to pan out right away. Um, and it'll be interesting to see which ones do and which ones don't. So what's your team? Like, that's what we want to know. The fans of Canucks and Pucks want to know, what is Sam's team for 2021? So I think that what I would, if I were Jim, I actually, I've actually been surprised with his strategy so far. I know everyone's desperate for him to make some moves, but I actually think he's playing the longer game, which is the right thing to do. I was reading today somewhere, I can't even remember where I read it, but because of the flat cap, and it's a great point, because of the flat cap, a lot of teams that would normally qualify all their RFAs are going to have to make some tough decisions, which means there are going to be RFAs who aren't qualified and surprisingly available. Um, So in some respects for the Canucks, waiting to see who comes free is probably a good idea, especially on defense. Um, I think their forwards are pretty much set. I wouldn't really touch, I wouldn't touch the top six unless you're making a trade. Bottom six, I think that's also pretty sad other than Jake Vertanen. Um, I don't think this will surprise anyone, but my my team would not qualify Jake Vertanen at this point. I think that he probably wants more than um, what they should be paying him. And if they go to arbitration, that's a pretty high risk since over the last, I think, three to four years, arbitration has started becoming more and more player-friendly with bigger and bigger contracts. And that's just, you know, I appreciate he scored 20 goals or close to 20 goals um, last season. But for where he's at and the defensive play in the overall game, I just, that's not money I want to commit to Jake at this point. I'd rather, you know, give Zach McEwen better minutes um, and bring up some of the other guys from Utica and give them a shot. Um, In terms of defense, I think defense is where... I do think they let Tanev and they let Stetcher walk. Um, continuing on on what we've said, I I think probably one of Uolevi or Rafferty make it. My gut instinct is Uolevi based on what we saw during the bubble, but obviously that's also just a different circumstance and it will depend a lot on what they both look like. I'm, I'm not as down on Jordy Ben as I think a lot of other people are. Um, I would like to see Travis be less committed to playing him as a left-handed defenseman. I think Ben has actually historically shown he's been better defensively as a right-handed defenseman, which is, I mean, not he's not a right-handed defenseman, but playing on the right side. Um, he actually plays better on that side for whatever reason. Um, and so I don't know that I'm as down on Jordy Ben as a lot of people are. And so he, he would be a perfectly fine bottom pairing defenseman in my books. Um, to be played with Yulevi or Rafferty. It's really the your number two defenseman overall that is going to be the difficult thing to do. And I like the idea of going after someone like Aaron Ekblad. Um, the problem is I don't know who I would give up to try to land Aaron Ekblad from the Panthers. What do you guys think of Ekblad? So, so I think the thing with that everybody talks about with Ekblad, because I know Harmon brought this up, and Harmon's like, a, you know, the boy wonder. He, he's a really awesome guy. Um, I think the challenge with Florida is that they're trying to shed salary, not take salary. So if you were to trade them Brock Besser, it does really nothing for them. It saves them maybe a million dollars. So we could sit there and say, well, a million dollars is a big deal. They're not trying to save a million dollars. They're trying to save like four or five million dollars. And that's, you know, I wanted to ask you. So leads into my question, like, do you think the Canucks cannot shed or trade a player like a, a, a Brandon Sutter? And I'm not saying for Ekblad, but I mean, do you think they can move some of this salary out? Do you think they can buy out, create some more cap space and then put a package together that makes sense? Because I, I know this sounds bad, but um, if you could package Jake and up, with another forward or a player that makes sense for Aaron Ekblad, I think, and, and, and maybe a, a good prospect, um, like, no offense, but like a Yulevi, 
um, that they could fathom that and bring in, shed some salary, but still now have two players that they could plug in their lineup. You know, I just that's just all supposition. What are your thoughts on that, Sam? I don't know if Jake Rutanen's rights get that done. Like for for the player Ekblad is your third line Jake Rutanen with and not not with a contract. Like he's going to have to still be qualified and negotiated. It would just be his rights. I think his rights and Yulevi, unless Bill Zito is absolutely desperate no, to no, just no. shed salary. Yeah, no, you'd you'd have to do more. But I mean, like. Yeah structure a package that way um i mean you do a sign and trade type thing like they'd only do it if if jake would sign with them and 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 at a a value i think one of the things about jake we forget and people don't look at it this way but jake has always performed better and he has scored goals when he's played in the top six not just with Pedersen, but even with horvat um jake does have that ability and again you know playing with a guy like Barf, Barkov or Huberdo might be the right setting for 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 Jake and and it, it solves a lot of the issues with the Panthers but again I'm not saying just those two I mean I think you'd have to give some sort of a pick or another you know Cole Lind or something perhaps right but I think that's I think that's the package the Panthers are looking for. I don't think they're looking to bring in an impact player. I think they're looking to bring in three players that can can get into their roster and make their team uh, deeper. If they can structure that deal and that's what they're looking for, um, I would take that in a heartbeat if I were the Canucks, um, in, including giving up prospects, which I know is going to shock a lot of people because I have said for the last few years that they shouldn't have been doing that. But they're frankly past the point where they – need to be stockpiling draft picks. That should have been what they were doing for the last few years. Um, So if that's what it takes to get Aaron Ekblad, I think you do it. Um, I would actually rather see them do a deal like that than give up someone like Brock Besser at this point. Like, I don't want to touch that top six. And I'll let you chat real quick. I apologize, Matt. But the reason I say this is, is, is we forget, like, Jake really was a 20 goal scorer this year. When you look at it, he had 18 goals with what I think was 20 games remaining. And in, and I know he only scored a couple, but I mean, he is a 20 goal scorer. So again, he's a second line, second line scorer. And you put him in a position to succeed. You've already, we've already seen that you'll levy. I mean, Jim's so high on you levy. Like he, he said at his year end presser, he's going to be in the lineup. So, so, you know, like he's going to make the jump. They're throwing him into the wolves. So where does, where do you fit those things? If you get an Ekblad, you know, maybe you have that opportunity. Okay, Matt, I'm done now. It's your turn. Yeah, I, I've, uh, you know, when Ekblad kind of came out as a rumor that the Canucks were, uh, or not the Canucks were looking at him, but that he was available um, or he could be available, I think uh, the Canucks should look into it. But I mean, you know, not, you know, trading a guy like Brock Besser, I don't think is, is something they should do. Um, but I mean, you know, like you were talking about Vertanen and Yulevi and stuff like that. And, Vertanen, I think, to be more valuable, he has to be signed before uh, you can be just pinning his rights. Because I think I don't think his rights are valuable enough for a team. Uh, you actually have to sign him first, and it's it's going to be an interesting uh, how, how they deal with with Jake. Because, like you said, he did score almost twenty goals, and admittedly didn't have the best playoffs. He kind of had spurts, but. Um, I think ultimately, like you said, Sam, he's probably not going to be on the team, but uh, I don't know what the Canucks are going to ultimately get for him as well. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to be able to get, if anything, or if they just let him walk. Um, But, you know, at this point, I'd rather they just sign Josh Levo to another short-term deal than than qualify Jake and Mm -hmm. give him a bigger contract. So, Sam, what do you think about the, the the bottom six, though, in terms of moving out salary or doing some buyouts? I mean, there was there was talk too that um, Josh Levo, his injury was extremely severe. Like, I had him on my roster, but I started looking at things. I'm not sure I'd have him on my roster now because apparently he's he's his skating has really taken a hit, and he wasn't the fastest skater. It's really taken a hit because of that injury. Yeah, I that's a risky move. It. I think, and it's interesting that there hasn't been any news on that front at all. Like, I frankly, I was surprised that he wasn't playing in the bubble because it had been so long since the injury happened. So I don't know if he would be in my roster either. Um, In terms of clearing out salary, I don't know. I'm such a cynic about that. I think that in a flat cap world, 
even if you buy someone out, there's still cap consequences for every single one of those contracts. And it's basically just giving up dead space. I'd rather, obviously, ideally, what I'd like to see them do is try to move some of those contracts to a team like Ottawa. You know, I think Ottawa's, they've got what, 43 million in cap space and they're 22 million from hitting the floor. Yeah, exactly. They're way below the floor right now. Um, And a ton of the contracts that the Canucks have to get rid of, especially Louis, are, you know, most of the salary has been paid. So that should, that should appeal to Eugene Melnick is that he doesn't have to actually pay the cash out. So if I'm them, I'm not doing buyouts. Um, I'd rather try to move some of those to teams that need to hit the cap floor rather than, rather than just taking the cap hit of a buyout. Yeah, I know in Matt's um, articles on thehockeywriter.com, there's your plug, Matt. Um, he talked about moving Sutter too. Do you think Sutter is a movable asset, especially after his uh, playoffs? I think being a Sutter makes you always a movable asset in the NHL. That's, I mean, I, I like to complain about nepotism and dynasties in the NHL, but that's that's the one benefit is when you're the team saddled with one of those contracts, there's always going to be someone out there who's willing to take a guy like Sutter for the pedigree and for the potential and for what what they believe his game is, whether or not that is actually reality. Yeah, with, with Sutter, it's like you said, he is that type of guy that can be moved because of, uh, yeah, like his pedigree, his, he's going to be a checking line center. He can be your, a penalty, great penalty killer for you too. And uh, he has that experience that can help uh, a younger team as well. And the fact that he's just on that one year left on his contract too, you can, the Canucks can maybe take some of that salary on when they're trading him, retain some of it. Um, and still save money more than just buying out a guy, buying him out or, you know, doing something like that. And, you know, buying out Louis Erickson's not worth it. It's not really saving the Canucks any money. I, I agree with you. I, I think they shouldn't go that route of buying out players because I don't think the saving is, is enough, especially when you could get, I mean, even if it's a draft pick for, for some of these guys, it's, it's better than just eating salary for the next few years. Well, I think we saw too, there's a, uh, there's, there's talk now that Louie and his agent, one, they're talking to other teams, but two, he is exploring the option of going back to Sweden as well. I mean, he's not going to play, he's not going to play in Vancouver next year. That's just, that's the reality of it that he just simply is not going to play for Vancouver again. That would be ideal. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully something like that happens because clearly he's kind of lost his spot on the team and you saw that in the playoffs, even Travis Green kind of has given up on playing him and, and Benning has even said, and that, you know, he, we got to get more. The Canucks have got to get more from him than just good defensive play and the little things like we always have his nickname as being. But it's, I think, yeah, like you said, Dan, his, his time in Vancouver is over. Yeah, so so Sam, what do you think uh, What do you think the Canucks will do uh, with their goaltending next season? Do you think that uh, ultimately Markstrom's getting re-signed or are they going to go with the Demko and... Uh, another veteran as the the tandem. So I said all season, I thought they would do whatever it took to re-sign Markstrom. And I'm very, very happy to be wrong about that. It sounds to me from everything we've seen that the Canucks actually set an internal number on term and on figure and that they're sticking to it, which is a good sign of growth for me from this front office. Um, I think the ball is totally in Markstrom's court about what he's willing to basically settle for or whether he wants the big payday. Um, I'd like to think that if they can get it done for around five um, and even with, I think as long as there's no, no trade clause or no move clause before the expansion draft, that's something that I would be totally willing to live with for Markstrom's deal. Um, it's just going to be a question of whether he's prepared to give up a better contract in order to stay somewhere where I think he has the best chance of winning. Um, what I'd like to see them do if they can't, if they can't get him on a good deal is obviously I think they should be playing Demko more. I think it's, I think it's actually been really bad for Demko's development to be playing as few games as he Mm. has had over the last few years. Um, and I appreciate he's had concussion issues and all that jazz. But for me, when your goaltender is in his mid-20s, like Demko is, 
sitting him on the bench for most of the season is the worst thing you could do for his development. I don't know why anyone thought he would come in when Markstrom went down and be able to play a starting role right away. Like obviously he was going to have to get back in the swing of it. All goalies want to play as many games as possible because more than anyone else, they need a rhythm and they need a routine. And so for him to be sitting on the bench right now, as much as he is, I think is actually bad for him. Um, And so for me, if they keep Markstrom, Demko's still got to play more than he has been. Um, I think my concern if they re-sign Markstrom is whether Demko asks for a trade um, or to go somewhere where he gets the opportunity to be a starter. Um, so I would actually rather see them keep Demko and like we said, go for a 1B like a Crawford or Kadobin if he's not too expensive at this point. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, if you're going to re-sign, uh, um, if you're going to re-sign Markstrom, you're 100% right. Then you're basically saying we're trading Thatcher Demko. You yeah. really are because he's, he, you know, keeping. You, you might get him for one year, but then he'll be. He's not going to re-sign in Vancouver next year. He just, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. He just won't do it. So it's better to to make that to 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 commit to one or the other, and then and then move forward with your plan. And like you said, yeah, they have an internal number and. You know, Markstrom has to decide whether probably one and a half million dollars is because I think it's probably what five point five something like that. So he has to yeah. decide whether one to one and a half is worth worth uh, walking away from per season. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I said that too. It's like you know, you're signing if you sign Markstrom to a, a longer term deal, you're basically saying, okay, we're going with him. Demko's not going to like being behind uh, Markstrom for four or five years. And uh, I think he, yeah, like you said, Dan, he's probably not going to want to re-sign in Vancouver uh, after that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think I'm think i leaning towards Demko being uh, the starter next season and just get a 1A, 1B type goaltender to split the the starts with him and, and go from there. Because I think Demko has the capacity to be that uh, number one down the road and even, even next season, I think. And uh, I think it's, better off just go with him so sam what's your ideal or if you if you're again you're the gm what's your your uh we know what your top six is is pearson in your top six by the way playing them, pearson, uh, in that line yeah pearson's in my top six okay so who, what's yeah. your bottom six then what's your third line and what's your what's your fourth line uh, my, <laughs> my third line would be i actually haven't really given it that much thought to be honest with you my third line would definitely involve Adam Gaudet, um, Adam Gaudet and Zach McEwen. I'd like to see Tyler Mott on the third line, but that's more that's more of a personal preference rather than any kind of sane, analytically stat driven. Do you do you not think that Hoglander will get that spot, seeing as he's 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 signed and he will be playing for Vancouver? Um, I mean, I think he's certainly going to get a chance at the bottom six. Another guy that I'd really like to see get a shot is Josh Bailey. So those are kind of the two that I see being given a chance. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, do you do you see Hoglander just jumping into the third third line role? I do. Yes, I think I think here's here's what I'm hearing. So I do have a few friends who are scouts and and they work for other teams and all that stuff. So I have a few friends. What I and so this is all again speculation, rumors, nothing else they're probably most teams because the AHL is not going to be playing a season. If this COVID continues Um, the, the hockey teams, because of the condensed schedule, there is a chance that a good chance that they'll be able to carry an oversized roster. So to, to mitigate the, the condensed schedule. And I think you will see some AHL players come in, but I think Hoglander has proven quite clearly that he can play at the pro level and third line minutes with Goddard. And I know Matt and I've talked about this, but third line minutes with Goddard, a top nine is what you need in the NHL now, not a top six. And, and we know that Adam Goddard has the ability to put the puck in the net. He scored 12 times, you know, you know, Jake, Jake, I know went in and out of the, the top six, but he played well on in that role. And I think that players like Sutter and that really, really didn't help. Adam I think a guy like Hoglander who has that drive and that skill and and even the quote-unquote will to play I think makes Adam Gaudet a much uh, a a much better player and you know that 
he's he's a competitor as well right he is going to want to work his tail off as well and and come back better than ever in the third line like that's my biggest thing with people who are like oh we should trade uh, adam Gaudet. like he's only in his second year or third second year two and a half years as a pro and he's improved every single time he's been in the lineup so i get very you know kind of frustrated when i hear people that want to get rid of adam Gaudet as their third line center yeah, I don't have any time for those people. <laughs> no, I don't either. Um, I want to get your opinion on this one. And since we're talking about the third line is, do you think the Canucks should be going after a third line center that's more of a veteran centerman that can take draws and be like that JT Miller type role on the third line for Godet until he's like comfortable being that faceoff man, being that, that type of a player? Do you think the Canucks should be doing that this offseason, get a budget? friendly maybe third line center I have a really hard time with that one because I just I am very against the Canucks at this point signing another <laughs> veteran center just for their playoff their playoff and center face-off taking prowess um right I'd rather Jay Beagle just earn his money and maybe spend some time teaching Godet how to be that player um and just letting him, frankly, I think this is a season where as much as I think this is probably going to be an unpopular take. If we're going to say that we're going to burn this ELC year and not capitalize on it, why not let your younger players play in a little bit of a little bit more of a sink or swim situation rather than, mm-hmm. you know, I know it's not Travis Green's way and he likes to ease people in and kind of shelter their minutes, but this is the year where I think Gaudet has, like you said, shown the capability to improve every year. Give him the shot to actually play that role consistently. Yeah, I, I actually, I mean, Gaudet has a ton of potential. And I think, I think uh, why I'm saying about getting a guy, not a veteran like Beagle's age, but I mean, in that 27, 28 year range that, uh, you know, I, I just wrote an article about this and you know, it's kind of, you know, guy getting guy like Eric Hall or that type of a guy, not over the hill, but he's still kind of a guy that could even help the top six at times as well. Yeah, I think for the right guy and the right price, which is kind of a cop-out answer because obviously everyone <laughs> would take the right guy at the right price. Um, the, the problem is it's hard to find those guys, right? It's true. Yeah, especially with the, you know, some of the teams that, I mean, it's not like other teams are, aren't going to be in the competition to get those guys too. Yeah, but I do think I, I think there is some merit to what you guys are saying and what you're kind of looking at, Matt, because again, with the flat cap, it's not like the Canucks are the only team with with having to make decisions and figuring out their roster and, and all that. Like every team's in this position, you know. So and we kind of forget that because it's not that we're in a bubble where fans but every team is it has to undergo some changes and try and figure some things out. Like you look at St. Louis has not signed Petrangelo anymore. He's going to free agency. They had an internal cap. He didn't want what they were going to pay. So they're like, okay, fine, go test your free agency. And, and some dumb team will go and sign Petrangelo. Uh, I shouldn't say a dumb team because I, <laughs> I had him on my Canucks team. So I won't say a dumb team, but, but you know, like it, it's, it's really what it boils down to is, is, fitting it in and where teams fit their players and if the situation works out and is right. And that's, that's where I, I agree with Sam. Uh, to me, Adam Gaudet as your Pedersen Horvat Gaudet centers, your core centers down, down as you go. And then you've got Miller, Besser, Pud Coles and Hoglander as your wingers uh, with, you know, like that's, that is a, a core team that, you know, you can build around and now find the glue pieces for versus what happened before. And that's, that's where going to your guys' comment about the right person at the right price. That's when you probably will be able to get that person because they're going to be more willing to want to be a part of, of what you have versus um, what you had two or three years ago when Vancouver was just, you know, you know, it was tough. I agree. I mean, and the, the Canucks are going to be, it's just so much that stuff that that hasn't happened yet and i think once the first domino falls like either to foley signing um you know one of these guys signing or even the first trade kind of goes down we're going to start seeing what the team could be looking like there's just so much that could still happen especially with the draft as well because i think the canucks are going to be trying to get another draft pick as you know try to get into the second round at least so it's going to be an interesting uh, next couple of weeks 
So, Sam, did you get a chance to look at our 2020-2021 Canucks, both Matt and mine? I have not yet. Ah, okay. So <laughs> maybe this maybe this will help kind of clear up, you know, some of this. You know, you might be going, what the heck are these guys talking about? So um, I had the Canucks not signing Tanev and, um, and Markstrom. I had them putting that money into Petrangelo to play with Quinn Hughes. Um, I actually moved Rathbone because of his skating ability to the right side because he has that ability to drive, play and skate, to play with Edler. And then I had uh, Ole Ulevi with um, Tyler Myers on my on my third pairing. And then my top six is what you had. Um, I I re-signed uh, Jake Vertanen um, and and I, I, I'm I, I really hated, now that I th look at it afterwards, I had Levo, but I had Godet, Levo, Vertanen on my third line. But my fourth line is where you had Mott, Beagle, and uh, McEwen uh, playing for them. And, and you know, it was a it was a reasonable it was a it was a reasonable line. But uh, I moved Sutter out, um, sent sent uh, Markstrom or uh, sorry Louis Erickson down to the minors. Uh, bought out Sven Berchi, uh and uh, created uh, and had 1.6 million in cap space left over. So it's not like great, but I think there was a ma massive improvement on the back end um, with with that team versus um, what they what they came what they came into this season with. I like it, Matt. What was your team? Well, I had the same top six. Third line kind of changed for me. I got uh, like I was saying. I'm, as you can clearly see, I, I'm an advocate of getting a third-line center to help Goddard. I signed Miko Koivu from Minnesota um, for a lower amount. And then uh, that was the third line was Koivu um, with Goddard as a winger. But, I mean, he'd switch back to center as well. And then uh, Hoglander on the left. Uh, the fourth line was Mott, uh, Beagle, and I believe it was McEwen um, as well. And then my... Uh, Defense, what kind of got changed. I traded Jake Bertanen to the New Jersey Devils for uh, Severson on defense, and I didn't re-sign Tanev. Had uh, Hughes and Severson as a top, and then uh, uh, Rathbone uh, was in was in as well. You Levy and Myers, and I re-signed Stetcher uh, as well, and then I uh, didn't re-sign Markstrom at Demko, and then like I said with the, with Ryan Miller, I had Ryan Miller as the backup. Now kind of rethinking it after thinking a little over it, but uh, that was my team. I like that too. I think Koivu is actually somebody I thought of when you asked me earlier about that role. Um, the one other person who would be interesting there, and this has only come out in the last few days, is I think the Preds said that they weren't going to re-sign um, Craig Smith. Yeah, and yeah. he's only thirty. His last contract was, I think, four point two or somewhere around there. Yeah. So that might not be a bad option for your bottom six either. One thing about him is I looked at him with for the article I wrote too, and I'm looking at his faceoffs and his faceoff. But he's not the best faceoff man. He's under fifty a lot of this a lot of his season. So I mean, for being a reliable faceoff guy, he's not that. But I mean, he does have a lot of scoring uh, touch. Yeah. Yeah, but losing Manny Malhotra is, is, you know, I'm interested to see how that's going to play out because he obviously has a face-off guy. I mean, what was Vancouver? They're definitely a top what ten, if not top five team. I, I just don't have the stats in front of me. Um, but yeah, by the way, I would have put Hoglander over Levo in. By the way, just so you guys know. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that Hoglander on, uh, you know, in the bottom six, especially playing with Goddard. So we'll see how. Um, Travis Green uses him if he makes the team. What do you guys think about some of the other potential defensemen who might be available if they don't get qualified for RFA, like a Vince Dunn or a Brandon Montour? I like Vince Dunn uh, being, uh, you know, a guy like him. He's he's, he's that guy that could uh, take Tanev's minutes as well. And he, ha I, I don't have the stats for him with that. He's more of an, he's, he scored uh, quite a few times last season as well. I think that if you're going to go down that road, then you might as well trade Rathbone, Yolevi, Rafferty. You might as well just get rid of them because you're basically saying they're never going to play for us. Mm -hmm. And they're only going to be with either your minor league team or they're going to sit in the bench like you talked about with um, with Thatcher Demko. You have to make you have to take a a, 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 a stand and move forward. And if Yolevi and Rathbone are guys that you believe in, then you absolutely have to get them in your lineup because there's no way they're going to be able to help you win a Stanley Cup if you don't get them in the lineup to get that experience. And they're not going to get that experience if you're going to go out 
and sign the Duns and 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 trade for the Matt Dumbas and all that. And and they're great. Like they're all good. I, I'm not going to say anything bad that way. I'm just I'm just saying that you to me you have to let these guys come in and play. At some point, you have to. I mean, that's what happened with Pedersen. That's what happened with Besser. That's what happened with Quinn Hughes. I mean, remember, look at all this. Oh, remember Brian Burke with Quinn Hughes? Oh, that's a small man. He's only probably in the top five defensemen in the league at this point. Um, you know, so, so you know, at the end of the day, um, I personally feel like you have to let these guys come in, and that's where your ELCs come in. And that's why I, I was saying earlier, you know, taking advantage of Podkolzin, Hoglander, Yolevi, Rafferty, taking advantage of their ELCs is more important than taking advantage of Quinn Hughes and uh, and uh, Elias Pettersson's uh, ELCs. See, I don't know if I totally agree with that. Like, I, I agree with Matt. I think Vince Dunn is capable of playing top four minutes at this point, which is not where I would throw Yolevi or Rathbone or Rafferty into right away. Like, mm. I would have them in my kind of five, six, seven at this point. And I think Dunn could play I to be clear I don't think at this point given the Petra the Petrangelo situation that he's going to be available um that was something that I thought might happen if they signed Petro Mm -hmm. um then they would they probably wouldn't have enough cap space to qualify and extend that's done yeah and that's a fair comment there's like like that's fine then you have to move Rathbone, Rafferty, Yolevi. Like you have to move them. If you're not going to play them, if you're going to go and get other players because you don't trust them to play those minutes, and that's fair, then move them and get some assets that can play those minutes then, if that's how you're feeling. And, and that's and I think that's a fair comment as well because there's no sense in keeping the guys there if they're never going to play for you. I mean, I don't think they'll never play, but no. if you're like, if you're going to, you could realistically have a top four of Hughes, Dunn, Edler, Myers. Play yeah. Yolevi and Stet- if you resign Stetcher, then you. Have oh no! Myers. But I wouldn't be resigning Stetcher in that situation. So then, who plays with Myers there on the on the bottom pairing then? Because again, if it's only Rathbone, yeah. let's say it's Rathbone. Yeah. Okay, you know Myers will play top six minutes, even though he's on the third pairing. And if you've got Rathbone in there and he starts to really show that he can skate and he can play, now you're in a situation where do you now drop Vince Dunn down? to those numbers like do you do you see do you see the logic that i'm i'm the the, the map no i see i see the logic that you're saying but to me that's a better problem to have than to just like hope that everything else works out i'd rather have an overabundance of players where you have to say okay now we have to make a tough decision between too many good players rather than say let's just see what happens with these guys yeah and i and go ahead matt sorry yeah I, i tend to agree with that i mean the thing is is you know you look at teams that are um, I mean, admittedly, they're a lot further along. And you look at Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup final right now, their depth on defense is ridiculous. And, you know, they can move guys around like, you know, Shattenkirk's on the, you know, lower pairings. you got guys that can move around and instead of thrusting rookies into situations that are like, well, they're not ready for it yet. I, I'm not really comfortable having those two, those guys in the top four yet. And, I mean, as much as I love Rathbone, I think he's going to be a top four defenseman, even potentially top two down the road. And But, I mean, we don't know. and We haven't seen what he can do in the NHL yet. But I do – I mean, I'm half agreeing with Dan, too. I mean, you got to play them as well, right? Well, it's – and Jim Benning indicated that, too, right? He said, like, we probably aren't going to go out to free agent market as much as we're going to allow guys to come in and, and play roles, right? And so that's 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 part of it. But, I mean, again, I don't think you guys are wrong because uh, I think there's, there's, there's real validity to that, and I'm okay with that. But you have to start moving pieces then to either acquire draft picks or move some other pieces in to let them develop because you're not not only not doing the players any service, you're certainly not doing yourself a service as an organization because you're just bringing in guys with higher contracts now, and yeah. and in a in a flat cap world, you know you're in a situation where under the cap, if we bring in a guy like Vince Dunn and what is he like two and a half three million I believe is that right? No, he's just coming off his ELC. Oh, is he just, yeah. So he'll, he'll get a raise. So he'll be like Britannia and he'll get like the three to three and a half. Correct. I think so. Probably. Yeah. At, at least. Like that, right? yeah, 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 exactly. So again, you know, like you, now you've got a, and he's a really good, obviously. And I still think St. Louis will find a way, but I, I hear what you're saying. Anyways, point is, is that you will need to, to find a way to move some, some uh, move some of these players and, and bring some assets back. Then if you're going to commit to Vince Dunn in his, in his core years, which you will for six, seven years. Um, so just to start wrapping things up, uh, let's get one surprise move that you think the Canucks will do 
um, before the off season's over here um, or bold or something like that. <laughs> I would like to see, I don't know, man. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if Jim's got a ton of surprises up his sleeve for us this year. Oh, we're sorry. We threw you for a loop here. We're like, we're yeah. making you think, we're making you think I know. about a Saturday morning. This is, this is not what I was expecting. I think that honestly, I think my surprise move is, you got me stumped. I actually, I can't think of one. <laughs> That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, when Jim, when Jim pretty much says, I'm not going to be doing anything, it's kind of hard for us to say, well, what's his surprise move? <laughs> there's also just think... at this point, I don't know if there's anything Jim can do that would surprise me anymore. Bingo. Yeah. yeah. Bingo. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't expect the JT Miller move last season at all. And, uh, We'll see. I mean, he could have something up his sleeve or not, or <laughs> but uh, if, it, it's going to be an interesting thing. I think if Tyler Toffoli ends up signing for around four, I would be surprised. Yeah, yeah. I think the rumor is four times five million is the rumor right now, and they're pretty darn close. That's what uh, Rick Dollywall was was reporting. I think there's just a few little things that they're they're trying to wrap up. So, which I still think is a great contract. Like that's that's a, that's a great contract yeah, to get a 25 goal score. Yeah, that's an absolutely fantastic contract. I did not think that Tyler Schifoli was going to do anything less than five. Well, I yeah. think he made four. I think he made four point eight last year, and again, Brock's at five point eight, right? And Tyler, you know, all his warts have been laid out. So I think him and his agent are, are understand. And I don't think that he, because again, because of the flat cap. I don't think if he goes to Marcus, someone's going to come up to him and give him like $6 million. I think everybody's like, this is how it fits. And because he's so comfortable here, he's not getting under market value. And so it makes it easy for him to say, you know what, let's, let's just make this work. Yeah. I like it. Uh, so it's, I love to talk about uh, talk hours and hours and all. I mean, we, we have so much, uh, there's just so much to talk about with the Canucks right now. And, it's it's great to uh i mean it's off season at the end of september which is weird we're usually talking uh preseason games and uh training camp and stuff like that and probably you know next week the season would have begun in normal circumstances so it's it's been an interesting uh year <laughs> hey, hey sam can i ask you quickly what's your take on the stanley cup final have you been watching it what's your kind of take on it right now I've been, I haven't been watching it religiously. Um, I watched game one. I did not watch game two, watched game three, watched little, little bits of last night. I think, I think uh, Dallas's luck with Kudobin has run out. Um, Mm -hmm. He looks tired and playing a back to back tonight. Like I'm not sure Dallas makes it out of, makes it out of tonight's game. Well, you know what was funny was at the beginning of the of, our, of the whole playoffs, Matt and I did our our preview show, and I and I said, you know, Dallas could win the Stanley Cup if they actually cared, right? If they actually tried, and you know, they make it to the final, they they really gave the 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 Lightning a a, a go over in Game One. I'm like, this is it, but the series really turned in Game Two when the officials all of a sudden the last three games they've been calling penalties now, things yeah. that Dallas was getting away with for three rounds. That, that teams in the West, St. Louis, I mean, just the, you know, how they've, they've just been beating the living snot out of teams and injuring players. They've been calling penalties. And you could see last night, Dallas doesn't know what to do. They don't even want to hit anymore because they're scared they're going to get called for anything and everything that they do. And I know the fans are complaining, but the series has really shifted, in my opinion, when the officials have started to actually enforce the rules. Yeah, I think that's totally right. I also think your earlier point about Dallas caring was a really good one because that's a team that's underperformed for basically two consecutive seasons because they looked like they didn't care. And for whatever reason, they somehow found it in themselves to care for the last three months. And they've looked like a totally different team than they did even in the midseason of this year. Yeah, I think, yeah, Dallas has been a bit of a surprise to me too. I mean, they've been, yeah, like Dan said, didn't look like they cared against Calgary for times. And then all of a sudden, like, it's like they flipped the switch and all of a sudden, okay, we're, we're going to care. We're going to try to win now. And you see what type of team they are when they do decide to start caring. And But I think I do agree with you, Sam, when you say that uh, I think Dallas has kind of run out of their luck, just like it looked like the Canucks did. And the last couple games there, and I think just the goal goal tending is, I mean, Hudobin does look tired. He's 
played he's played a lot and he's not usually used to that either so yeah and the players that they're missing are actually all huge parts of their team yeah that too so i mean tampa bay is i think is going to win the cup probably tonight we'll see but uh I agree. I think the only way Tampa doesn't win tonight is if Tyler Sagan suddenly magically rediscovers his scoring touch. Or, or the officials just allow them to allow Dallas to, to, to injure with impunity. And, you know, <laughs> Jamie Bannon's allowed to sit on a guy and pound his head into the ice. But, you know, that's good, solid hockey. Like, you know, uh, it, <laughs> I, no, I, I agree. I hope they do. I really, really hope they do. Because I don't like it when teams bully their ways to championships. Yeah. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And it has nothing to do with the Canucks in 2011, too. It was just sour. But We've seen that the last couple seasons. We saw we saw St. Louis do it last year. Um, it was really nice when um, when Pittsburgh won their two cups and and just you know I, I don't like when teams have to you know you know injure other teams to to win. I want to see hockey, and that's the one thing I've loved about Tampa's game here is, and especially Victor Hedman. I mean, they're just they're playing hockey, and it's and it's really nice to see. Yeah, I like it, and. Uh... So yeah, it's it's been a great uh, great discussion with you, Sam. It's uh, it's awesome to have you on the show, and uh, you've been really busy with uh, other stuff. So I'm I'm happy that you found the time to come on. Anytime, guys. I you know what? It's been it's been a long time since I've actually had to look at stats and think about <laughs> think about the actual putting together of the team. Well, so that like, was really fun. Yeah, and I love the broadcast. Don't get me wrong, like the broadcast. I do. I love it. Like, I think it's awesome um, what you girls do. Um, and I, I love listening to you on Rob Fay Nation. Rob is such a character. Um, you know, I think he should be writing for WWE right now, to be perfectly honest, to improve he the totally product. He totally should. But I know, I know. So it's, it's just, that's aside from the point. But I know Matt and I, you know, when Matt invited me on and, and asked me to, to be a part of it, you know, that's a big thing is that I think we forget that, you know, hockey's just about the game and watching the play. And, you know, we've talked about how much we love the Canucks. And, you know, when we have you on next, like, we, you know, and we will, um, we, we love talking to people who know what they're talking about. And you yeah. clearly know what you're talking about. Um, so, uh, you know, we're, we're excited. And I'm very grateful that you uh, came on for sure. I had a lot of fun, guys. Happy to come on anytime. All right. Yeah, you can... Uh... Of course, listen to uh, to Sam on the broadcast and uh, Rob Payne Nation Radio and uh, Area 51 Hockey as well. So it's even busy and uh, happy that you came on. Uh, go Canucks, go. Go Canucks, go.